What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. Death by Dylan Brooks. And I've got to be honest, I wouldn't want it to happen any other way. <laughs> Final score of the game, 103 to 96. And I know this is only one game, but all of you Dylan Brooks haters out there, I got two words for you. Suck it. This is a Grizzlies <laughs> podcast. Listen, I see so many of you guys, and, and look, I shouldn't even address it like this, but I'm going to do it because I see so many of you guys that are loving on Dylan Brooks right now that were shitting all over him when he was a Grizzly. Can't have it both ways, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot. I hate that the Grizzlies won this game. I hate even more the malpractice that's going on right now. But I love that Dylan Brooks came into the FedEx forum and delivered the knockout blow in this game. It's it's so fitting for his story with the Grizzlies. Yeah, man, I I, I can't even be mad at it. Uh, I want to be mad at it, but I, I can't be mad at it, man, because I, I feel like this franchise and this organization and even a lot of the fans are – getting a lot of what they asked for. Um, and, man, he came in and put on the show. Uh, 26 points, seven rebounds, three of nine, and a big dagger three late in the game. And, of course, that's how it happened. I mean, it it was always going to be that way. It felt like it was going to be that way, man. And he he showed up in a big way. Uh, him and Desmond Bain going back and forth all night. There was a moment where Desmond Bain kind of got in his face and had some word for him. He got teed up. Uh, for that, and that was fun, man. It was fun to watch those guys going back and forth after the game. They embraced. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there's any real ill will there, man. Just two competitors going at it. Uh, been a big game for both. Uh, Bain with 28 points, uh, so he bested them as far as points scored, man. But Dylan Brooks gets the last laugh, and the Rockets are three and zero against the Memphis Grizzlies so far this season. But this, as a Grizzlies fan, someone who covers the team, and if you're a Grizzlies fan, like I said, this, this has to be a pretty deflating loss because it. It felt like this was going to be a, a positive night. I, I felt after the game on Wednesday night in Houston, I was like, man, there's no way they're going to lose to this game three times, three this team three times. They're not going to lose to this team back-to-back. Back. They're going to come in home floor. Um, you got the good vibes from from the job presser today. Got everybody feeling good about the team. They're going to come out and get a win. And early on in the first half, looked like that was going to be the case. Uh, Trip came out really aggressive. Uh, but I think he had 13 points uh, really early in the game. Um, you had... Bismack Biombo, who's been struggling, he was really pushing the envelope offensively. Uh, still really struggling in drop coverage, but I'm not going to jump on him too bad tonight because, I mean, he he is what he is. I mean, you can't expect this guy to come in. I mean, he was on the couch uh, when, before they brought him in, so it's not like you could expect a lot from him. But a good good game from him, man, offensively, especially in that 10 points, nine rebounds and assists, a block, fishing five of nine from the field in 33 minutes. Um, a plus four, one of one of the highest on the team. Um, I think second highest behind Trip. Uh, so good, good game from him, man. But just second half, man. Uh, just a lot of lineup stuff, uh, a lot of lineup mistakes. I think that we kind of see these same things over and over from Taylor Jenkins. Had a ten point lead at the half, and you proceed to get outscored fifty eight to forty one um, in the second half. And the Rockets win this thing, going away one hundred three ninety six. Um, kind of, kind of a lot to break down. I have some some strong thoughts on, on on Taylor Jenkins that I'm going to get into here during the show, man. But yeah, man, a super, super deflated loss. Cause for a long time, this felt like one that the Grizzlies were going to get. And now you got 
One more game before Ja comes back, but it's a tough one at OKC. I think that's on Monday night. Uh, you don't love your prospects there, so you're probably looking at six wins, uh, six and six and nineteen, uh, six and eighteen before Ja returns, and that's not. I don't think where any of us thought they would be. No, definitely not, man. You know, I I remember going back to the predictions that we had on this show because of the talent that this team has. We all pretty much expected them to be around 500. Yeah. Are significantly closer to 500 than what they are right now. But, but as far as this game, you go back, the Grizzlies were up 10, 855 to go in the third quarter. And then it, it was just like the, the, the wheels fell off for the rest of that quarter, man. You, you watch them. It goes, they're up 10. Then you get a bucket from the Rockets, uh, a fadeaway Ooh. jumper from Dylan. Oh, they're up too. eight. And then it goes back to 10 on Jaron Jackson hitting a floater. And then you get a three from Jeff Green, a three from uh, from Dylan Brooks, a finger roll from Dylan Brooks, a jumper from Freddie Van Vliet. Like, th- there was a little back and forth in there. But it goes 10, 8, 10, 7, 4, 6, 4, 4, 3. And then by the time you get to the end of the third quarter, the Rockets in the third with the lead. And it just felt like at that point when the Rockets tied that game up late in the third. Yeah, you knew. And then took the lead going into the fourth. Like, man, this is kind of how, like, the, the last game that they just played in Houston, it was a close game going into the fourth. And then like two and a half minutes into the fourth, the Rockets were up seven points. They make a couple free throws. They make a three. They make a couple more free throws. And the 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 game is blown open almost. And it didn't really get blown open until late in, in this one. They, they were in this game. Jaron Jackson has been playing... I I don't know that he has had. I mean, I think you can confidently say that he has not had a better offensive stretch in his career. Oh no, not even not point. even at the end of not even at the end of last season when he was playing really well offensively. It, it wasn't this. Like he's never put together this many games offensively. Just the consistency that he's playing with offensively. Like during that stretch last year. He had the, he was playing well all the way through, but there would there would be some in there where he'd score 14, 16. He just played really well on defensive end, might have four or five blocks, but he wasn't scoring 25 plus for four or five games in a row. It, we, we've never, never seen this from Trip, man. The, the confidence that he's playing with. I'm just hoping that he can ball that up and carry that over to when Ja returns because we just we've always it feels like we've always said that. Like usually when he has his best stretches, it's when Ja Rant's not playing. And we're always saying that uh, we hope that he can carry this over to when Ja is playing, and they they can't they can't ever seem to find that same level when, when Ja is playing. And, and I don't know if it I th- it goes too bad. Well, Ja's a superstar. I'm just gonna kind of defer to him and let him do what he does. But it, if they could ever get all three of those guys with him and Desmond Bain, all three going at the same time, man, even with I, I think a flawed roster, injuries. I think those guys are going to win you a lot of basketball games playing that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that that goes to them. They have to put in the work 
off the floor, you know, like out in the gym practicing. It goes to the coaching staff. When Ja Morant comes back and as this team gets healthy, then we're really going to see if St. Andrews is worth all of this hype that he got coming in. Offensive guru, you know, they bring him in to revamp this offense. Okay, we we are like, what, eight, nine days away? What's uh, We're not even that far away. What, today's no, man, he, Friday? he'll be back. We got, yeah, we got one game Wednesday night um, in New Orleans. Yeah, That's so we're, five, we're like five days away, yeah. four days away. Kind of feels from, surreal. And then, like, we, we don't know. have what What's the last update on Smart? Because the last one that I saw, and I didn't check before we got on here, but the last one that I remember reading is his return date was expected to be right around when Ja was coming back. So we should see Smart pretty soon, or at least get an update on him. Yeah, and then I think Luke Kennard should be close as well. I, I was going to say on Smart, I, they said a couple of weeks ago, weeks ago that he was getting ready to kind of start doing some stuff at practice, play groups. Uh, I think Taylor Jenkins said that maybe before the Rockets game on Wednesday night. So I expect his return to be around the corner. If he's not back next week, I definitely think that next week he's definitely on the way back. Kennard is the one that I'm kind of concerned about. Um, when they call that a bruise, that kind of – because we know how this team operates. Like, stuff like that can turn into bigger things with this with this franchise. Like, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if they came out and said, oh, well, he has to have surgery or something. That's just kind of the kind of stuff that – happens with this team. I hope that's not the case because they can def they definitely need to get these guys back because again with the injuries that they do have, you have Steven Adams is not coming back. Um you, you see Brandon Clark out there doing some stuff at the free throw line. I had some people uh, hit me up back, saying to right. me that I see him out there shooting free throws. And I said, yeah, but I still I'm not gonna put any expectations on that. Shooting free throws is a lot different than going out there playing an NBA basketball game, getting up and down and especially the type of player that Brandon Clark is. He's that pogo stick athlete. His his whole game is predicated on his jumping ability. I, I just can't see him getting back and being a viable part of this team this season. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does. But but I expect even if he does return, and I don't even I'm not even sure that 100 sure that's going to happen. I I don't think he's going to be the Brandon Clark we know and love. So let's go let let's go back to. What year was it? Was it 2021 where Jaron was out to start the season? You say 2021. This is 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. 2021, yeah. So I'm going to tell you exactly why seeing Brandon Clark out there shooting free throws means jack shit to yeah, me, bro. I, I know exactly I'm where you're going. Jaron Jackson Jr., I went to a game in November yeah. – November yeah. of 2020, Jaron Jackson was out on the floor, not shooting free throws. He was warming up, pivoting, jumping off the leg, hitting shots with no brace on. Nothing in November, bro. And we didn't see him come back. His first game back was April 21st. Yeah, we, we saw the same thing with Steven Adams last year. They, he was out warming up that initial timeline. He was supposed to come back, and it was I think there was a game at OKC, I think. Um, everybody was all excited. He was out there warming up, and then they announced that he was done, like right after then. 
Like he was out there warming up, cutting. Maybe he had, was working out with the coaches. They had the pads out. He was out doing stuff on the court. And then immediately after that, they announced that he was done. So, like, I never I never trust anything that they say with these type of situations because this is – we've had some weird stuff, man, when yeah, it comes to yeah. injuries with this team for sure. If Brandon Clark plays any any at all this year – Yeah, I'd be shocked. Same. Based off of the, the way that Zach Kleiman worded his media day questions about Brandon Clark, everything was talking about next season. It was our, our everything indicated. He didn't specifically say it's going to be next season, but he said in the future. And that was to me, the mannerisms, the body language, everything about that conversation felt like next season. Yeah. I was going to say with the way he did it, especially him specifically with the way that he plays the game. I mean, he, He's going to need time, man. He's not going to be able to come back and do the things that he does and do them well. I, I don't think that soon off of that injury. If I mean, ever, that's a, bro. If, yeah, if that, that's ever. what I said. I'm, I'm super concerned. I'm I'm concerned about him, and I'm concerned about Steven Adams. Like, people are talking about them coming back like it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to be okay. And I have questions about both of them. Maybe they do both come back. I hope they do, but I, I, I don't think you're wrong to think, okay, well – him being that type of player coming off that injury, that's devastating. And Steven Allen, 31-year-old, seven-foot center with a major knee injury and coming off knee surgery, that it might not be right. I mean, we see younger guys. We see Robert Williams struggling with his knees, and he's not even as old as Steven Adams. Uh, I mean, a 31-year-old center at seven-foot coming off a knee surgery, that's not good, bro. That's not that's not a good thing. So I have reservations about both of them. It's, I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I see a lot of people just thinking Steve O's going to come back and be – that same guy, maybe you will, but I definitely have questions about it. And the same thing, like you said, with Brendan Clark, can he be that? Because again, that's a devastating injury and it's for anybody, but even more so with his athleticism and his jumping building and what he does and the things, the way that he helps you in the game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that injury for a guy that is super athletic, it just, the, people have returned from that type of injury, but the people that have returned from that type of injury, their game changed after that. And Brandon Clark, well, I say their game changed. Durant's game didn't really change, but Kevin Durant. Like Rudy Gay. I was going to say, like Rudy Gay, for instance, he used to be a high flyer above the rim guy. I mean, you you can still see every now and then, but it it wasn't the same when he came back from that injury. He had it twice. So, but, but he was never that same guy he wasn't taking off dunking on people as much anymore it, it was a different kind of game he was more of a jump shooter mid-range jump shooter mm-hmm. uh than he was prior to that yep kobe bryant same stuff man yeah you know that's a kevin durant is the only one that you can really say but durant was never a high fly yeah. you know like he was just longer than everybody so he didn't have to do much to to change so so let's reel it back into the game a little bit vince williams continues to impress i think that we we've gassed him up and i think him coming out here and playing well you know i i kind of said it jokingly a few shows ago of okay they're going to let Jalen noel walk because they have Jalen noel at home and one vince williams jr four of eight from the field three for six from three eight rebounds three assists one steal two block shots Played well pretty three much all night long. Three. Yeah, yeah, knocked down three threes. Um, 
passed yeah, on he, one late in the game, man. Like when he yeah, picked that ball to Roddy, Roddy in the corner, man. I almost vomited. Man. Like, no. <laughs> like, like, did anybody think that shot was going in? Because I, I, I didn't. And then David Roddy, guys, yeah, his mama, maybe. <laughs> That's it. Like, she probably didn't even think it was going in, but no, no man, I hate to, hate to ride on a guy like that. But, man, what, that's, that's what one thing about Roddy is, and, I, and I, I, was, I was saying this early in the game, you don't have to take a three every time you get a, get a look. Like, he's fired it up. Anytime he gets a look, it's going up. Like, he's no hesitation, and he's oh, not geez. that kind of shooter. He's, he's, he shouldn't be taking those shots. And anytime he gets even a a, a blink on the three-point perimeter, it's going up. And that's one thing that, hate, that just drives me nuts about his game. Yeah, it's to to me coaching. That I mean, a hundred percent. You have the green light. We saw this with Dylan Obviously. Brooks, dude. We saw it with Brooks. We said the reason that so many fans hated Dylan Brooks is he had the green light all the time. And, and, and you Dylan see it with Brooks, Roddy. a lot of those three. The, yeah, a lot of those threes look eerily similar to those Dylan Brooks misses that we used to see. The difference is Dylan Brooks is a lockdown defender. Yeah. And even when he was missing shots like that, he was still – he overall his time with Memphis, there were games where he made mistakes that played them out of the game. But the majority of his time when he was a Grizzly, he was a positive for this team. And then you you look, you know, he took more field goal attempts than anybody tonight, and I feel like that was he played 40 minutes. He wanted to play big in this game. He wanted to play big, and I think that the guys that he plays with wanted him to play big as well, and so that's why you saw him taking those shots. But this year, he has not been the same version of Dylan Brooks that we saw with the Grizzlies. No, not, not at all. Like, what, what's that tell you? Yeah, he, no, he, I mean, he leaves and he goes to Houston, and all of a sudden, the problems are fixed. Yeah, man. Like I said, it it it, it falls back on to what I said at the top of the show. It's coaching. It's like you said, man. You have to to rein that in. If you give a guy the ultimate green light, we know the type of personality that Dylan Brooks has. If you allow him to shoot, he's going to shoot it. Uh, but that's. It, because he has not been that guy. I mean, he has games now where he'll score eight points. He'll be two or four from the field. Like, I mean, he doesn't – he's not taking up taking up 15 to 20 shots like he was in Memphis, and he's still playing big-time minutes. So that lets you know there what's the difference. Like, what's the the different denominator? Um, you're just going to go to Houston, like you said, and all of a sudden become this efficient guy. You're not taking a lot of wild shots. It has to fall back on coaching, and that's another, I think, referendum on – Taylor Jenkins in his tenure. I think you saw how bad that was to end the year last year and to see the guy totally turn around um, his game. Even even in FIBA, he was taking a lot, a lot more shots than he's taking now with Houston, but he was more efficient um, in, in those games with Canadian national team. You've just seen a difference ever since he left here. And again, I think that definitely falls back on Taylor Jenkins. I'm... I'm not gonna go down the path that I was fixing to go down. Like I, I was. I have on multiple occasions made it clear how I feel about Taylor Jenkins, and that has 
little to nothing to do with the way that this team has been playing this year. But I 1,000% believe that his deficiencies as a coach have not just been exposed. They've been thrust into the spotlight. Like, are you trying to win games? John Conchar has played better than Jake LaRavia at every single stop. Xavier Tillman was playing playoff rotation minutes last year. And instead of playing guys that have been productive, that have been making plays that are conducive to winning basketball, we're running Jake LaRavia out here because he's playing well in the play groups. <laughs> Taking them vitamins. I listen, man, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I know more about basketball than Taylor Jenkins, but you will not convince me that this is the best lineup that he can run out there right now. Should, should they be 18 and six right now with the team, the way that it is? Absolutely not. Should not be. But should they be 6-18 and 18 right now with the roster the way that it is? No. And probably 50 to 75% of that, you can blame on coaching. Yeah, man, I'm I'm absolutely fed up with it. Uh, I mean, I, I talked about it. Well, me and David kind of talked about this before we jumped on here. Um, I, I got to the end of my rope with it to, tonight. Like, I... And to the people out there that are still defending him, like I, I don't know how anybody that knows anything about basketball watches this team right now and think that he's maximizing what he has. I get that there are injuries. The injuries have been tremendous. There's no question about that, but David just laid it out perfectly. Should this team be 18 and six right now? Hell no, no. They, they, I don't care. You could have Red Arbach coaching this team and they're not going to be 18 and six. But should they be 6-18? and 18? The answer to that question is no. You have Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. both playing the best basketball that they've played in their career. And you're still – you're losing to bad teams. Like, they've lost to bad teams. Um, and other teams that had guys out, they should not be this bad. Um, and the thing about it is, no matter what shape your roster is in, there still should be a hierarchy. There still should be a pecking order. And there's still – that doesn't mean that you don't have to – you're just absolved of situational coaching decisions. Like, you just – I'm shorthanded, so we're, we're probably not going to win anyway, so I'm just going to sit over here with my arms folded, and we're going to lose games and nothing I can do about it. There's still – anybody that watches these games, there are intricacies and moments in the game where you look at this and say, okay, should he have this guy on the floor? Or should I take this guy on the floor? Jared has five fouls. Should I take him out of the game, or should I just let it play out? That happened tonight. I, I kind of felt like he should have – left him in the game. I think it was a little bit over five minutes left when he picked up his fifth and he took him out of the game. I would have kept him in the game. I mean, there's a five minutes to go. He's an all-star player, defensive player of the year. If he fouls out, he fouls out. But this roster is in shambles right now and you don't have a lot of viable NBA players and you got to take him off the bit, off the floor. Like it with five minutes to go in the game, a game that you're down within reach, you're down three or four points at that point. You're going to take him off the floor like 
stuff like that doesn't make any sense. Closing with Jake LaRavia the other night um, in, in the game, having him in the game late tonight, um, just, just, just different line of stuff, man. It just doesn't make any sense. And as David said, are you asked the question, are you really trying to win basketball games? I, I don't know. The X and Conchar thing is weird. Like a couple of they, 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 they didn't, Conchar played a few minutes the last game. X didn't play at all. This is second DNP CD he got. Conchar also full DNP CD tonight. Um, there has to be something going on with that. Either they're, they're, Conchar and X are the guys, and Kenneth Lofton Jr. had kind of a cryptic text as well that kind of foreshadowed that he might be on his way out. There could be some change coming with him. But either those are guys that they're, that they're pushing the trade and they don't want them to get hurt, or there are other guys like LaRavia, Zaire Williams, that they're quote-unquote quote showcasing to try to, to try to get them moved. But there's something going on because we know how much Taylor Jenkins likes both of those guys. And with the roster in the shape that it is now and this team struggling, I can't see him, especially with Contra. Contra had been playing well. He had been playing some of the best best basketball he's played this season prior to kind of these DNP CDs and not really playing any minutes. So there's something going on there because there's no way. I know Taylor Jenkins and Contra is his guy, and there's no way that he wouldn't be playing him there if it wasn't something going on. So even that makes it even worse. That goes in kind of a lot of the stuff I've said about the front office, I think they might have a, a hand in that. And you doing political things and behind the scenes that don't stop you from putting your best foot forward to win games. And that's the kind of stuff that pisses me off. And I've said that time and time again. A lot of people don't believe that politics play a part in this, but it absolutely does. It's played a part in Kenneth Lawson's tenure here. There's no question about it, whereas anybody wants to believe that or not. But it, it is what it is. But Anybody watching this right now, man, Taylor Jenkins, this stuff didn't just start. Like, me and David didn't just magically get these thoughts on Taylor Jenkins this season when they're injury riddled and they're losing games. These things that didn't just start now. Like, yes, they were winning games, but they lost a lot of games because of coaching decisions. You saw them struggle in the playoffs. They'll always lose the first game at home, stuff like that. This stuff is not new. The rotation issues are not new. The situational coaching, not making adjustments at the right time. This stuff has been going on ever since Taylor Jenkins has been here. They just had a lot of talent. You have a generational talent in John Morant, and they were able to win games. They got the two seed, but what do they have to show for those two seeds? Like that, you're going up against seven seed Minnesota, and they're lucky as hell to get to get to get past that team. They probably should have lost that series. They had some some miracle comebacks at the end of games. A lot of that, just a lot of John Morant and the team just going out there and getting it done. And I, and I think a lot of that was in spite of Taylor Jenkins. So I just don't think he's that guy. If you want to get to the playoffs, you want to get a high seed with a healthy roster, I think Taylor Jenkins can get there. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to get to June. And can Taylor Jenkins get you to June? I, I'm not so sure. I think it really boils down to... If you ask the majority of people, would you rather have LeBron James' longevity of, what was it, nine or ten straight finals appearances? Or would you rather have just six finals appearances with six championships? What What's the answer to that question? And the answer to that question is you want the six championships. Absolutely. 
I, yeah. I don't I don't give a, a shit about making it to the playoffs, yeah, making it to the second round. I don't care about none of that. That like I, regular I, I'll think, season. I'll take a seven seed yeah. <laughs> if I'm winning championships. All you got to do is make the play-in. The Miami Heat made it to the finals last year as a play-in team, bro. Like, with that that is the the structure that is in place now. You don't have to have home court advantage, and last year showed when they don't take care. They don't. They don't take advantage of that anyway. I haven't. So, so just who cares? Get there and win when you get there. That's what matters. And and maybe this is like galaxy big brain Taylor Jenkins here. And he's like, oh, we're just going to hold out Marcus Smart and uh, and Luke Kennard a little bit longer. And they're going to have 20 less games on their knees whenever we get to the playoffs. And this team is going to be healthy. And then they're going to go on a crazy deep run. Doubt it. Seriously doubt that that's what it is. But you laid out the deficiencies minus one big thing that we we have seen from him over and over again and that is the inability to draw up a play to win the game yeah his i mean he is terrible in last second opportunities i'm trying to like remember and do that outside of go get a bucket jaw the times that that has actually worked those are the only times we've ever seen them be Tip. successful in those situations Every other time, bro, every other time, you if you take John Moran out of the equation, every time it's been somebody out there that's not named John Moran, it, it looks, it, it, it's messed up like a football bat, bro. Like, it, it is bad. Jaron Jackson Jr. and ISO at the top of the key. Yes. <laughs> Not for the last play of the game. Love Jaron. He handles the ball well, but you're going to put it in his hands when the defense go get a bucket, Jaron. When they know that he's not going to pass the ball, that's not going to work out the majority of the time. You have guys that can shoot the ball like Desmond Bain. There are so many other things you can do with movement and screens and pin downs and on and on and on to get a guy like Bain open. Or if you want, if you want Trip to be the shooter, have him screening for Bain. And then when the defense collapses on Bain, have Bain kick it to Trip for a wide open shot. Or whoever, if it's Vince Williams or you got Adam out there and you want him taking the shot, Luke Kennard, doesn't matter. W- he just doesn't have it. He doesn't. I, I'm not going to keep beating it over the head. Like I said, I, I've said it time and time and time again. I've seen enough on him. There's enough evidence on him that shows me that he's not a coach that gets it to the next level. He gets you to hear. He gets you to hear. And here has been good. Here has been good. The level of talent that this team has when it's healthy, good is not good enough. And maybe that sounds elitist. Maybe that's being greedy. Uh, I don't think so at all. But the defensive presence of Jaron Jackson Jr. and what he has developed into, the emergence of Desmond Bain, you put them with a the generational talent of John Morant. 
that's a core that should win at minimum a championship. Yeah, because how, how many teams? How many teams has that? Like guys that age that are are that good? A threesome of guys that are that age that are that good? The, the list is not long. That's not yeah. a long list. And the Denver Nuggets. You take out the older guys, the teams that are older with those kind of players. There, that's a very short list. So anybody that you're not wrong for thinking this team and wanting this team to win a championship because the, the people are all, well, they're getting to the playoffs. I don't think it's being greedy or elitist or anything to feel like we've seen this team play at a high level, um, extremely high level. Um, and you have those three young guys. I think the the goal should be championship. I don't think there's any question. I know that's technically everybody's goal, but I think that should be realistic for this franchise having those three guys at that age being able to do what they're able to, they're able to do already. I don't think that's crazy at all. So I think I don't think you're saying anything wrong there. I think that should should definitely be the expectation here. And that was that was always my talk going back to that draft when that summer where everybody was on on me and saying I was the negative guy. It was always viewed through the prism. I felt like this team was a couple steps, a couple pieces away from winning the championship, especially that season that they were coming off of when they lost to Golden State with job. I feel like they had a real shot that year if it wasn't for the injuries. But I, I felt I truly felt like they were doing things to take a step back. And I think now that's been proven out. I think a lot more people now agree with what I'm saying, even though they're still not giving me my flowers for saying all that. They act like none of that happened. But I think a lot of people are seeing it that way now. And that's all it ever was. It wasn't me hating on the team. Why would I want – and I've been with this team since day one. Why would I want nothing but success for this team? It didn't have anything to do with hate. It pissed me off that I felt like they were going backwards. That's what it what it was, and I think it now it's proven off that with the depth on this team, they have taken a step back. Yeah, yeah, and that's there's there's a ton of basketball left to play when Ja Morant comes back. Ton of basketball. There's plenty of time for them to dig from where they're at to climb in the standings. Maybe like they could climb out of the play-in high, higher than that 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. They could rise above that. But I, th- they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to like, oh, yeah, it, it's, I, I, it's something, yeah, they, they whether, whether it's play-in and or playoffs, whatever it is, they are going to be there. I'm confident that that is going to happen. But where they go after that, I, I have no idea. I, I'm like I'm. Yeah, that's the, that's where the, I'm at. the amount of talent that's on this that. team. Like I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if they won a title. Like I, I would love the hell out of it. I think that they have a talent that they have the talent to win a title, but I'm not expecting that. Yeah, because I, I think I, as good as this roster is when it's fully healthy, I don't know if it's good enough to also overcome Taylor Jenkins shortcomings. That's my concern. Like this roster is, is really good, but is it elite enough to overcome Taylor Jenkins? And I I don't know if, I don't know if the answer to that question is yes, that's going to be what has to be answered because I don't, I don't think Taylor Jenkins is going anywhere. I think if he, if he leaves, it's going to be when his contract runs up. And I think he has at least a couple more years. I want to say on that deal. I don't see him, going anywhere before the end because I've the way this franchise is set up and I've said this time and time again it's different than a lot of franchises 
these guys are all one. Zach Kleiman, Robert Parra, Taylor Jenkins, these guys are almost, I don't want to say a package deal, but I've always kind of felt that, like, in order for Taylor Jenkins to leave, it would almost have to be a situation to where they're getting rid of Kleiman, too. Like, it's they've, they've, it's gotten to a situation where it's so bad that they're just changing the entire regime. That They're so close in the way that they operate. I feel like that almost has to be the case. So I don't think Taylor Jenkins is going anywhere. So the stuff that we're saying about him, I mean, you can tell the truth on him and tell your truth on him, but he's going to be the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, I would say, at least for the next couple of years. Uh, beyond that, I don't know, because I feel like at some point, with with this talent that they have on this team, these guys are going to be in their prime. Job, Bain, and Jaron are going to be 26, 27, 28 years old. Uh, you you have to – they're going to have to get rise to that level. you got to have to see them take the next step because if they don't, and once they get that age, you have to decide, okay, well, this is not going to get it done, so we're going to have to do something differently. Hopefully they achieve that goal before then and we never get to that spot, but I think that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. But I, I just feel like – Taylor Jenkins is going to be here because that's that's their guy. They they're all on one accord. Like I said, they they work as a unit. Everything that they do, I think, from injury wise to trades, they consult each other. They're all in, and and I mean, I guess it should be that way to a certain extent. But I think at times with this organization, I think it goes further than the norm with with, with those type of things. Yeah, I I started to say earlier, and I'll drop it in here now. You remove Ja Morant and Nikola Jokic from the picture. The, that Nuggets team that won the championship last year, if you ask me the next two or three best players, we, we can go three. You ask me the, the next three best players between the Nuggets and the Grizzlies roster, and I, I think right now you have to say Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., would be three and four. Now the ancillary pieces that the Nuggets had in order to win that championships, the Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope, like My those board, pieces, yeah. yeah, like those pieces were obviously better than what the Grizzlies are setting with right now. But as far as the top end of the top team, end. yeah, I agree. You you take Nicole Jokic, generational talent. John ja Morant, generational talent. Move them out of the way. I'm not going to argue that John ja Morant is better than Nikola Jokic right now. Two different players. I don't think that you can have that conversation and it be legitimate because they just play the game way differently. But Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, great offensive player, not a great defensive player. And Bain is kind of of that same mold. So I take Bain over anybody else on that roster, not name Nikola Jokic. Like not I, no I'm the, I'm the same way. And that's that's our, our Grizzlies bias coming through, no doubt about it. But Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm the I'm the same way. There's nobody even I agree. and I I think I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is the piece that is going to make or break this core winning the championship. Yeah. I've always, and, and, and I, I believe the most important piece. I know and people yeah. think you're crazy when you are, you're talking about a team with job ja Morant, but we know what, what we're going to get from job. Ja. I think yeah. Jared is a ceiling raiser for this team. Yep. If he's playing at that elite level, that unlocks everything for this, for, for this team. 
if he doesn't, it's almost like it's like he shrinks, bro. I swear it's like like I, I don't and and I don't want to I don't even know how to word it to make this there's something that I see from Jaron when Jai is healthy that goes like it, it just evaporates. When when Jai is not there, there's a certain level of confidence that you see from Jaron on the offensive end of the floor. And it's like when Jai is back, he feels like he has to shift it down. But the type of player that Jai is, he doesn't. He doesn't. And if he ever gets that through his head, that he doesn't have to shift it down when Jai's on the floor, that's when it's going to click for this team. And we have not seen that yet. We This team with those three guys, they can all go out there and get their shots. There's plenty of shots out there for them to go out there and do what they do night in and night out, regardless of who is on the floor, whether it's two of them, one of them, or all three of them. Each of these guys should be able to play their game off of each other and be able to get 18 to 20 shots a game. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it because Jaron has shown that he can carry a team. He has that level of talent um, on both ends of the floor, and there's no reason to throttle down when Ja Moran's out there. I mean, there's going to be nights where Ja goes big, but there are going to be nights where Ja should probably defer to Jaron. If he has it going, he's cooking. He doesn't have to change his game and just become a defensive player and just kind of – not worry about just get a few shots here and there offensively. Take that same aggression. Take that same confidence. When you get the basketball, go at guys just the same way we've seen him these last six, seven, eight games. Go at guys that same way. You don't. There's no reason for you to throttle down. You we've shown that you you're an all star, you're defensive player of the year. There's no reason for you to be deferring to anybody. Um, I, I think Bain, it, it, he's he's going to take his shots. And when when Jaws out there, he doesn't change his game. I agree with you. I don't know why Jared is just – I agree. It just seems like he feels like he doesn't have to do as much on the offensive end when Jaws out there, and that's just not the case because if he does maximize what he does on the offensive end, this team is right there at the top of the league. I mean, and he is the guy that unlocks that for, for this roster. I've always said that he's a ceiling raiser. If this team wins a championship – you're gonna go. You're gonna leave that series talking about that final series talking about how well Jaron Jackson Jr. played. I've always said that. Well, man, I, I think we can go ahead and wrap this one up. Final final score of the game: one hundred three Rockets. The Grizzlies had ninety six. Grizzlies fall to six and eighteen. We got one more game without twelve, and then twelve is back. Cannot wait for it, man. So ready for him to be back. So ready for this team to be healthy. So we can stop seeing playgroup Jake Laravia get a run. It's I saw Roddy. I never want to see that again for the rest of my life. Yeah. I played there late in the game that I want to break my TV. But anyway, I'm glad that uh, we got to see, like, I've said it before earlier this season. If Gilliard is 6'2, 6'3, he's no doubt about it, a rotation player, but he's not. 
if I don't see him play another minute the rest of the season, I'm fine with it, man. And that's it's not a knock on on him and his abilities, but his size on the defensive end of the floor has been an issue. You know, you look and see like he he's super quick. He knocks he gets a ton of steals because of how quick he is. But defenses defenses target him when he's out there, man. He just doesn't have the length and the size to go out there and guard these bigger guards and they take advantage of it. Yeah, man. If 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 he was if he was six two, six three, he'd be Tyus Jones. <laughs> um, that's the the only thing that holds him back because he 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 just can't guard, man. It is not Due to lack of effort, it's just the size, man. He just doesn't have it. But he he knocks down timely threes. He can knock down that three. Uh, but he just hurts you so much on the off the other end that you you just can't really play him. So I agree, he should not be in the rotation of a a, a playoff team or a really good team in the NBA. And we've had to see too much of him over this time. So that's that's what what I'm excited about getting healthy. The guys can get back in their role. You have way too many guys playing bigger roles then they should be playing. You got these wings that shouldn't be on the floor down the stretch. And that's just, and I don't even think it's not necessarily even the right ones. Uh, so take that situation out of Taylor Jenkins' hands or you be in a position to where you don't need to rely on those guys so much. That's what I'm excited about. But that game is actually on Tuesday night. They got OKC on Monday. So Ja will be back on Tuesday night, man. New Orleans, nationally televised game. That wasn't a coincidence by the NBA. Don't think, don't think that it wasn't. They Knew that was Jaws' return game. They put that team, that game on national TV for a reason. Grizzlies haven't really had any national TV games prior to then. And I was the first game 26. They just happened to be on national TV. Not a coincidence. The league still wants Jaws. The league still needs Jaws. So I'm just hoping he comes out and shows out. I mean, you look at his press conference today. He seems ready to go. Said it, it every day that passes by, the, the days get longer, longer and longer. And he's, He's raring to come back. Um, he's been working out. If you watch any of the videos, man, his jump shot looks good. I know that's standing still, not being guarded by anybody, but shot looks good, man. He's been putting in work. Um, he had just been laying around, not doing anything. Um, and he's been able to practice with the team as well. So I think he should be ready to go. Taylor Jenkins said prior to the game tonight that there's not going to be really any restrictions that that maybe, depending on how he looks, maybe that he might pull him for, for lesser minutes. But I think I think 12 is going to be fine. I think – He's ready to go, and I think he's ready to go on a tear uh, for the way that people have talked about him, like all these guys that they're saying are better than him. One of the guys, Tyrese Halliburton, who's on a hell of a run right now. That's his first game back uh, coming up next week, so that should be fun at the forum, man. I'm I'm just excited, excited to have him back and get the rest of these guys back and just kind of get the vibes back, man. This, this losing, man, that's something that we haven't been used to for a long time around here um, in, in Memphis, man. So let's get back. To, the, to those winning ways, playing Grizzlies basketball and having one of the most exciting young players in NBA and 12 back out there. So, man, let me ask you a question here. Over or under 25 points for his first game back, what are you taking? Oh, man. Um, got 25. That, that's, a, that's a healthy number on the first game back. I, I still think there's going to be – I think he's ready to go, but I think inevitably how – no matter how good you are, there's still going to be a, a little bit of rust – Man, I hate to I hate to short change twelve because you never never want to doubt him, man. Because we know how awesome he is. I'm gonna say under just because I think there'll be a little bit of rust, and I still think even though Taylor Jenkins said that there's not gonna be any restrictions, I still think that he is gonna have the reins on it a little bit. 
I just knowing him and knowing this organization, I don't think that he's going to put him out there for 40 minutes. I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong because that's your star player, man. He's practicing. It's not like he's been sitting out and let him go, but I still think there are going to be some. I, I think he gets to 20, but 25 is a little steep, but we'll, we'll see. But I'm going to say under. Okay. All right. No faith in 12. You heard it here first. <laughs> Isaac oh. has given up on John. <laughs> <laughs> this message, man. Candace was at the game tonight, so she couldn't be uh couldn't get home in enough time to record with us. Uh we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. She'll be back with us. Uh what I think she'll be with us Monday night, but she's going to be at the forum for Morant's return. So well, but be... that game is that the first game is actually in New Orleans on Tuesday. So they got a back to back Monday in LKC and oh. Tuesday in New Orleans when he returns. So I think that game is so yeah, should we, we uh, what is it? Is that Friday? Big Friday. Thursday. Friday's Thursday night against the Pacers. Is it his home okay. return? I I got it all jacked up. Anyway, Candace will be back with us. You guys know that she's not going anywhere. We appreciate her. Thank you guys for listening in. Final score tonight's game. Rockets, death by Dylan Brooks, 103. The Memphis Grizzlies, 96, fall of 6 and 18. About so what is it, seven games out of the play in right now? Seven and a half. Yeah, something like seven, that. I haven't even seven seven, seven games out of the play-in right now over the super team sons that everybody said we're going to steamroll the league. It's not happening, not going to happen. But anyway, a lot of basketball left in the season, a lot of faith in this Grizzlies team. And I think that um, the defense has been improving. The offense is still shit. And when you add a guy like John Morant to that offense, it is going to get better. Looking forward to that. Get Candace on Twitter at CandaceH901. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Dwill21. I was just going to let you know where to find him and get us out of here. Yeah, man, real quick, I, and we kind of jumped off of it and kind of went on a different subject, but I definitely want to give my flowers to, to Vince Williams Jr. It's a shame that it took injuries and attrition to kind of get him this opportunity because he probably should have had it anyway, man. But I'm glad that's one positive that I take out of this, man, that they – I think they found out that they have a player in Vince Williams Jr. I think we here on the Ethos Grizzlies podcast was always confident that he was going to be a player, but just glad to see him shine, and hopefully he's going to be a rotation piece. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't going forward. I'm just glad they were able to find that out. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter slash X at Isaac double underscore NBA. Again, the Grizzlies will be back on the floor Monday night. Uh, but tough one. First time we'll get uh, a chance to see OKC up close and personal this season, but that's going to be a 7 p.m. on Monday night, and they got the back-to-back coming up Tuesday night in New Orleans, 6.30 p.m., TNT, the return of 12. Super excited about that, man. Then he's going to make his home debut Thursday. Job versus Tyrese Halliburton, man. That should be a lot of fun in FedEx form, so looking forward to that, man. As David said, go over to at Ethos Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, keep it locked. Ethos Grizzlies. We'll talk to you on Monday night. We're gone.